Hello and welcome to episode one of this week. I am Allie Rothrock, your host. You can be watching this on IGTV at This Week Podcast. You can be watching this on YouTube at my channel, Allie Rothrock. You can be listening to this on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and also on a variety of my other social media accounts. So if you are only listening to this and are looking to watch it, there's lots of places that you can do that. I'm so excited to be starting this series. Um, If you don't know me, I'm somebody who wears a lot of hats depending on who is asking and how much time I have. Uh, When someone asks me, what do you do? Sometimes I give a short answer or I give (laughs) a longer answer. Um, But I wanted to kind of introduce myself in this first episode and talk a little bit about who I am, um, where I'm coming from, and some of the things that I'm gonna be talking about in this series. I get asked, so many questions on a weekly basis about some of the different facets of what I do that I wanted to create a space where not only I could answer these questions, but that these these answers could live somewhere that people could go back to. So when I answer something on Insta stories, obviously it's gone in a day. And so I was toying around with the idea of doing something like this for a while. And then, you know, recently I was like, let's just do it. Let's just get it going and, and, and see how it goes. Um, So to introduce myself, hi, I'm Allie. Um, Like I said, I do a lot of different things. Um, My kind of path to where I am right now started about 16 years ago when I was 16 and I joined the volunteer fire service. And that decision, that moment, is what catapulted me to do all of the things that I do now. And if you've heard me speak or if you've watched my TED talk or, you know, if you've read my book or heard any of my story, um, you know a bit about kind of the the big moments in there that um, either caused me some trauma that I needed to figure out how to process and square with and make meaning out of or um, showed me some significant um, problems, issues, gaps that resources that existed weren't adequate to to address. And so a lot of my beginnings in the fire service were um, showing me a lot of these things that I would then later go on to try to um, help and address and, and fix so other people don't have to go through some of the things that I went through. And so when I joined the fire service in 2005, um, it was completely out of the blue. No one in my family um, is a firefighter. No one in my family is in the emergency services. You know, I don't have any firefighters that I like grew up around or anything like that. Um, I think firefighting and me, we were always looking for each other, but we didn't, you know, I didn't know that firefighting was what I wanted to do for my whole life until I like just quite literally stumbled upon it. And then the very first call that I ever ran was uh, an incredibly traumatic one. Um, and and the memories of the call, the memories of this child that unfortunately died in this car accident stuck with me so much. And that in and of itself didn't cause me any trauma. But the experience that all of us had that night showed me that there wasn't anything, you know, offered to us for what to do with the experience that we had all just had um, with this with this child. And that didn't sit right with me, you know, 16 years ago. And 
seeing that gap in education, that lack of resources for first responders, mental health was something that would stick in my mind and would really propel me to making a pretty big decision many, many years later. Um, So firefighting for me was what I feel like I was always meant to do. Um, But it was also a place that caused me a lot of trauma. And that trauma would take me um, about a decade to fully understand and be in a place where I could begin to process and make some meaning out of what had happened to me. And that process was not one that I could do on my own. I needed to seek out the help of a professional whose job it was and who was educated enough to be able to sit with me and create a space for me to safely process the experiences that I had had. And I plan to do an episode on trauma and making meaning. And so we can go, we'll go into more of that a lot later. Um, But I did end up with a post-traumatic stress disorder diagnosis in 2012. And when I found myself on the other side of that, I knew that I wanted to create a space for, I wanted to create space in my life to work in advocacy because I had been, I benefited so much from different advocates in various capacities. And so the first place that my um, advocacy started really was in the place of my most significant trauma, you know, surviving and, and, you know, being someone who has survived a sexual assault, um, my advocacy started in a domestic violence shelter. I was someone who, um, you know, was trained to be a counselor in that shelter. I responded to the hospital to be with survivors of sexual assault. I worked on the hotline. And that was really my first um, experience as a true advocate. And I started to share my story. Um, I self-published my first book, Where Hope Lives, in 20, uh, 2010. Um, And that was something that came just out of uh, need to make something, to create something in the space where there had been so much um, destruction, you know, to to do the opposite of what there was um, in those experiences for me. And that was to turn them into something that could help hopefully help other people. And so once I started speaking about my story and sharing where hope lives that was something that was also propelling me to stand in front of bigger and bigger audiences and so when i was a sexual assault and domestic violence counselor i was sharing my story as well and i started to get educated in different facets of mental health so you know i became a suicide prevention instructor um, i got a couple different trauma responder certifications that took like a year or so to get um, and then i decided to just fully do it and um, get my bachelor's degree in psychology with an emphasis in crisis counseling. And so since publishing Where Hope Lives in 2010, for the last decade, I've been like standing on bigger and bigger stages, talking in front of bigger and bigger audiences and my sharing my story. And we're going to have another episode on sharing your story because I get so many questions on like, how do you do that? How do you set boundaries around what you want to share and what you don't um just there's there's so much there that I would love to to talk about more. But my my goals in sharing my story had kind of changed and it wasn't about so much talking about just what had happened to me, although I was seeing a lot of positive change come from that. I also was putting so much in about first responders mental health. And even though maybe 
some firefighters can't relate to the experience of, um, you know, being traumatized at the hands of other firefighters, but they have run a call like my very first call. And that was something that sat in their brain and they never knew how to process it because first responders aren't taught what to do with, uh, with trauma or post-traumatic stress. And so I was incorporating a lot more of that content into the presentations that I was giving. And in 2018, it got to a place where I couldn't keep up with all of the presentation requests anymore. I was traveling so often all over the country and I was seeing such a shift in the conversations that people were willing to have about these topics. And it just, I couldn't keep up with it all anymore. I was really at a place where it was like, I either need to commit to this idea that's taking off or I can't do it anymore because I was working another full-time job and they're just, I couldn't, I couldn't keep up with everything. And so I decided that I was going to start something called On the Job and Off, which is the company that I am the CEO of now. And so in 2018, On the Job and Off was founded and I took that that presentation that I was doing on first responders mental health and I turned it into a one hour, just kind of basic mental health awareness for first responders course. And I put it online and I was so unbelievably fortunate to get um, an offer from this amazing organization called the National Volunteer Fire Council. And they said, we want to pay to put a thousand first responders through this course because we think what you have here um, can really make a difference. And so we had a thousand first responders go through that first course and asked every single one of them, you know, is this working? Is this changing conversations at all? Is it helping you um, have different conversations with your loved one, with your families, with your coworkers? And if so, what else can we offer? What else do you want to know about? And so from those first 1000 people, we've created the entire course, all the course menus that we have now. We serve firefighters, we serve EMTs and paramedics, we serve dispatchers, and we serve first responders on military bases as well. And so running on the job and off is my more than full-time job. Um, but you know, that is something that just came out of this. It happened really organically from the speaking and and the the trainings and education that I was already doing. And then when I finished, um, I was getting ready to finish my crisis counseling degree last year. And due to COVID, all of the opportunities that I had to practice my in-person crisis counseling skills weren't there anymore. And the one thing that I could do was basically tag along um, with detectives as they conducted child abuse investigations. And so I would be there at what's called a children's resource center with the nurses and the forensic investigators and the detectives and all the different agencies while, you know, a child officially made a report about abuse, neglect or trafficking. And all the agencies were there. So the child only has to tell their story one time. And the interview is filmed for evidence. And my role there was to provide anything that I could to the child um, to whoever brought the child, you know, a caretaker, um, and sometimes even to the staff that were that were hearing these things. And what I realized is that these children, a remarkable number of them were in very close proximity to a first responder while they were being abused and no child abuse reports were ever made. And I know that, I mean, I knew that because I was sitting with the detective who had all of the evidence and all of the reports and no first responder ever made a report and I didn't, I couldn't understand why that was. And 
there was one case, one of the last cases that I would have, that I was ever involved in, um, that was so horrific and the proximity of first responders to that child, uh, was so significant and no child abuse reports were ever made that it made me angry enough that I knew that I needed to do something about it. And so in like the fall, early winter of just last year, I decided that on the job and off was going to put something together called the CARES Project, which stands for Child Abuse uh, Reporting, Recognition and Reporting for the Emergency Services. And I worked with subject matter experts from the social justice side, worked with detectives. I worked with, um, you know, emergency service organizations to put this course together. We decided to make it completely free. We launched it in November of last year, just a couple of months ago. And the response was so overwhelming in such a good way. First responders saying, we want more like this. And the response was just so significant. We were able to prove with the the pilot data from the first 100 students, the efficacy of the CARES project. And I was just thrilled with how effective um, it was. And when people started asking for more, when first responders were saying like, what about this issue in our community? We need to know more about this. Like, what about this? I wanted to be able to create resources to address those issues, but I knew that On the Job and Off was not the place for it because On the Job and Off is a mental health and wellness education platform. The CARES Project was a little bit mission shift for us, but if we only were ever going to do the CARES Project, I knew that we could make it work. But as soon as the requests were coming for more like CARES, I knew that it needed to be its own separate entity somehow. And so we were so fortunate to find this wonderful organization called NDRI. And I decided to create um, a nonprofit entity under NDRI called First Responders Care. And this is a nonprofit where the CARES Project now lives. And I have assembled a fantastic powerhouse stacked bench of board members who our goal is to train 10,000 first responders to certify them through the CARES Project. And we have so many other ideas for initiatives that we can do now that we know that something like the CARES Project works. And so... First Responders Care came again in such an organic way, as did the CARES Project. I just saw a need and had the ability to offer something to try to fill the gap where first responders either weren't realizing that what they saw was child abuse or they noticed it but didn't know what to do about it. Um, They didn't know really what human trafficking is, like what might I see in the course of doing my job, all of these things that people are out there seeing, first responders are seeing child abuse. I've seen child abuse in my time as a first responder and didn't know that that's what I was seeing and I didn't report it because I didn't know. And so I'm just so thrilled at how all of that happened and that, you know, the CARES project is being taken by people right now. I get an email every time someone signs up for that course just because um, I love to know that maybe... If we can teach a first responder to recognize something and teach them who to call and what's going to happen after they make that call and what you need to to make that call, um, maybe we can change the trajectory of some of these kids' lives. And I'll never forget, ever, ever, ever forget the time that I spent um, in that Children's Resource Center hearing those children's stories 
and knowing that there wasn't anything on this earth that anyone could ever do to erase or fix what happened to them. But the CARES Project, teaching first responders about what to look for and what to do about it, um, makes it a little bit easier for me to think back on all those kids because maybe for the next, you know, the next kid, um, someone can notice and can make a call. And then, like I said, I wrote my first book, Where Hope Lives, and self-published it in 2010. And really for the last decade, I have had a Word document that I move from laptop to laptop um, that I was just kind of documenting things that were happening, um, writing down other stories that, you know, happened after Where Hope Lives. And I didn't have a lot of direction for a while. I didn't know exactly what it was. I had a couple different titles for a while. And as the years went on, I started to get a better idea of like what I was trying to say with this project. But when a year, so this is March, 2021 that I'm filming this. So a year ago, when every single speaking engagement began to come off my calendar, I had a lot of time that I could just be in my office and I thought, what do I, what do I want to do? What do I want to do with this time that I have? And I'd been saying, you know, coming soon for so long about this second book that I decided that's what I was going to do with the time that, you know, quarantine allowed me to have. And so I started writing. I mean, I wrote like 40,000 words in just a month or two and decided that I was going to try, even though it's a shot in the dark to, you know, I was going to try to get a literary agent and then maybe somehow that literary agent would find a publishing company that was interested in the book that I was writing. And I think right now it's between like 80 to 90 percent of book proposals just don't go anywhere. There's no interest in them. Um, so that's eight to nine out of, you know, 10 times um, you have an idea and just, you know, you're knocking at the door and no one's interested. And so um, it just so happened that I found a literary agency that wanted to sign me. Um, I got connected with my fantastic, wonderful, brilliant agent um, who in pretty short order um, found a publishing company that wanted to publish my second book. And so we're still finalizing the title. We're still finalizing all the details. So I can't say anything more than that now, but I can tell you that it's on trauma recovery and that it's coming in 2022. So in episode two coming next week, I talk all about like goal setting and productivity and a week in my life. And I'll talk about how I fit in all of the things that I've just told you about that I do, all the professional hats that I wear. So CEO of On the Job and Off, executive director of First Responders Care, writing a memoir, which is like pushing a mountain up another mountain. It's just like... It's so much creative energy. So all of that going on professionally. And then I also, you know, like downtime. I like time when I don't have to be productive. And I'm married and my husband works um, a rotating shift schedule. And so it's like, how do I fit in all of those different things? So we'll get into that in episode two. But one of the things that I, I'm just so passionate about having open conversations about topics that are usually stigmatized. So 
in this series, we are going to be talking about mental health. We're going to be talking about trauma. Um, we're going to be talking about some of those lessons that I've learned over over the last many, many years. Um, I'm going to talk about, you know, this concept of self-definition, um, of the resources that I used, of things that I found that helped me in times when I was really, really struggling. Um, and I also just want to be visible as someone who's created her complete own path. I created a company that I now run full time. I created another company that I now run full time. I created a book from just an idea and found, um, you know, people who were interested in, in making sure that that book could get into other people's hands. And so I think doing all of those things can sometimes feel really lonely because, it's not often that people are willing to talk about kind of the behind the scenes of all of that or the ups and downs or the trials or the lessons learned or like I did this thing but I learned better and I should do this thing next time. I really want this to be a space where I can talk about all of those different things and answer questions that are sent in. Um, I just want to be accessible in that way. Um, and so next week is going to be episode two. Like I said, it's all about, um, goal setting productivity and a week in the life. Um, I hope you've enjoyed this first episode. This has been this week with me, Allie Rothrock.